Injured at work in a motor vehicle accident or had a fall in a public space? Speak to Your Claim Lawyers, a no-win, no-fee, personal injury claims law firm that specialises in maximising compensation claims for injured people. Call 1-800-YOUR-CLAIM or yourclaimlawyers.com.au. Collingwood have closed like the Grim Reaper! To Bolton, who runs inside 50, has a bounce, puts the Jets on, and hook kicks the goal! And the Tigers sprint clear, biggest margin of the game. Danaher from 50 metres out, wow. leaps into it and never looked like missing. He comes in, the crowd comes in, he's got it! A thousand goals for Buddy Franklin! Lippertore's onto it, he kicks for Hugel Hagen, couldn't take the mark, they swoop, The dogs are winning! Oh, don't tell me. Caleb's a wrong he goes! Hawkins has kicked five. Wheels out to the right. Max gives it the lots. Oh, it's raucous at the G now. Demons fans out of their seats to salute the skipper. Welcome to AFL Nation. Well, we are only two games into this 2022 final series, but what a time we are having already. Thursday night, it was Brisbane overcoming their finals demons to dispatch Richmond out of contention before a packed house at the Gabba. And then last night, oh, last night, the Sydney Swans were extraordinary. They brought amazing amounts of pressure and they've sent Melbourne onto the hard road if the D's are to make it back to back. And then today, Collingwood and Geelong, two amazing stories this year in very different way, but they are two of the form sides in the competition. We're going to go straight into uh, the Collingwood coaches' box in just a moment. Let's, let's firstly welcome the team on AFL Nation. It's our pre-game show for Thirsty Camel Bottle Shops. Answer the camel's call, Thirsty Camel Bottle Shops and Beaumont Tiles, $25,000 appetising giveaway just go to iconwin.com.au. It's great to be at the MCG for the first qualifying final, even though we had the second one last night. Brenton Sanderson, <laughs> a man who's played a lot of football, almost 200 games with the Cats. Can't believe they didn't give you one extra. Yep. You're also a pie and a crow and a coach. Yep. Uh, welcome, mate. Nah, thanks, Hutto. It's great to be here. The MCG bathed in sunshine, 90,000 plus today. This should be a classic. This will be an epic game. I just can't wait. Kane Corns, great to have you with us. We've heard your thoughts during the week. I wonder how you're feeling coming here to the MCG this afternoon. Well, it's the best place to be, Melbourne, during finals time. You walk across people everywhere, scarves and guernseys, and everyone is in a good mood. And when you get a day like this on the MCG, you would not want to be anywhere else against the you know, two sides that have been phenomenal, really, with the way that they've played and the joy that they've brought us all year with the style of football both of these teams are playing. So I can't wait to see them go head-to-head. And Dwayne Russell, you've brought the sunshine up from Geelong. Welcome to you. Your flag to lose, you Geelong blokes. That's the way it's looking right now, Hutto. <laughs> I love the way he just dissociates himself, the former <laughs> cat star. Uh, it's going to be fun today. It's going to be fun for the rest of this final series. And it's good to have something different happen in the final series. I think most people didn't expect Richmond to get beaten and most people didn't expect Melbourne to get beaten. So there's a variation that's happening that uh, is a beautiful thing. Yeah, And I know you've got Justin Leppage ready to go, so we I have. better keep quiet. Yeah, so much to talk about. And uh, we are going to start with a man who, well, we got him the job at Collingwood pretty much last year <laughs> on SEN and AFL Nation. And what a wonderful job he's done. And uh, to introduce him and ask the first question, it's great to have Matty Cox with us down Boundary Side. Afternoon to you, Matty. Thanks, Hutto. Pleasure to be down here. Beautiful day at the MCG and standing alongside the head of strategy at the Pies, Justin Leppage. 12 months ago when you pulled the Collingwood polo on for the first time, did you think you'd be standing here on qualifying final day? Uh, probably not. <laughs> it's the short answer. Um, I, I guess with a team 
where it was ladder position was last year would, would probably make you think it wasn't. But, you know, I think there's still a lot of good things that were done. We've always had a pretty solid back six and some things to, you know, to, to work off. But I guess our percentage also shows that, you know, we haven't been a, a dominant team winning by big margins. But geez, one thing we, we do have is a spirit and the ability to stay in games. Leper, do you actually watch, I mean, I'm sure you've watched the first two finals, but do you watch the first two finals with any thought to today or are they irrelevant largely? Oh, no, they're pretty irrelevant. I mean, you talk about living in the moment. I mean, realistically, both both teams are just thinking that, you know, we, we want to get to the preliminary final as quickly as we can. And whoever we face, we face. You, you can't really think too far ahead, so you can't really barrack for opposition because you don't know uh, who you're playing and, and where you're playing. So, um, yeah, it's, it's really a moment-by-moment moment, this this point on. Leper, it's it's hard to find a weakness in the Geelong outfit, but is, is there something in their game style that you can exploit today? Uh, I guess they've quickened up their ball movement a little bit more, which comparative to last season. But we, we think even still, if the game becomes more live, uh, it'll suit us a little bit more. Um, but if, if they do mark the ball on us and, and control the ball, well, it's going to be very difficult for us. So um, we're conscious of that, uh, making sure that we, we don't give them too many marks in the front half of the ground for us. And, and, and then they can sort of you know prod their way through, which is obviously they've got some big targets up forward. So we just can't give them easy supply. Now, we asked Boltz this question against uh, before you guys played Carlton. The clearance numbers and the contested ball numbers obviously have been a weakness for the Pies this year. Can you get away with it today against a side like Geelong? Oh, probably not, but we said that every week um, and, and we've somehow found a way to win the game. Yep. I, I, I guess, you know, the, the, the damage on the scoreboard for stoppages probably doesn't reflect the stoppage loss itself, yep. so yep. if that makes any sense. So yep. we're just hanging in there and that. But you're right, you, you don't want to be losing territory as well. That, mean, that means every attack has to start from your defensive 50, uh, and no one wants that. So we've been working hard on it. Um, you know, it's, it's a tidy up area for us, so we've got some things in place today and if that doesn't work we've got a few contingencies as you know Sando you've got, you've got a list there that you, you keep going to but um, as you know mate you often have to rob Peter to pay Paul if yep. you put too many stoppage numbers up at the stoppages well then you're leaving more Geelong defenders free which is you don't want to do that either Leppy, you've been instrumental in how brave your defence has played. Do you get a little bit more nervous when you're giving Cameron and Hawkins that just that little bit of extra space to move and, and you'll back yourself with more and how what does that look like from the box today? Uh, well, those guys have, I mean, our whole back six has been pretty good. I mean, particularly the weight of numbers of inside 50s recently, we're, we've done well to hold up. We had obviously a, a period against Carlton where we just, you know, were really poor um, in that third quarter and, and, and they scored really quickly. But um, And we've had patches in games where that's happened where we've just given up runs of scores. But uh, apart from that, um, I, I think we've, we've held up pretty well, uh, difficult circumstances. But... Um, Again, uh, I think the, the beauty about our team is probably the underrated part is in the last quarters. We, we've got great run, we've got great fitness and um, we've got great belief in that part of the game. What does it look like uh, strategically on game day? So Craig McCray's down on the interchange bench, managing things down there. You're up in the box. Are you the one making those strategical moves or is he able to do that as well from ground level? Because it is more difficult to see down there. Uh, I guess we were lucky. We're all on the same page. We have a list of th- things that we, we go to and that we've used... Um, consistently uh, over the course of the season. Mo- most of them, it, it's funny because 
depending on the opposition often is, is what, what lever you'll pull. It's, it's not so much what the game's doing. And, and, and as I said before, often with Geelong, you don't want to leave too many. They'll want to get a spare behind the ball from stoppage so they can get that mark. And then the big question for us is what do we do about that? Other teams won't want to do that. You know, they'll, they'll, they'll have a completely different setup again. So that will be the challenge for us today. But as I said, we've got a list of stuff ready to go. I won't tell you what it is, Kano. But, um, you sure? Yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> Give us one. The, Give us one thing on the list. Bore the listeners to death, basically. We won't tell Geelong, Leather. <laughs> okay, so what we're going to do, we're going to play six blokes on Hawkins. All right, we're going to try something. We're going to do the old Buddha hocking, put every 18 points behind the ball. <laughs> Who's your sub, Leper? You've, got, you've named Kruger as an emergency, which is an interesting one, given he hasn't played. You're hoping to squeeze him in to this final series at some stage? Have, have we not named that yet? I'm not probably not allowed to tell you then, am I? If there wasn't enough Geelong blokes up there, I'd probably tell you that. <laughs> but, you, know. you are hoping to get him in, though, obviously. Yeah, well, stage. we think so. We think um, Nathan's uh, advantage not only is a key position forward or mobile forward, he pressures up really well, he can pinch it in the ruck. So it's a, it's a possibility for us. I mean, we lose a ruck potentially through this campaign, um, we're really light on in that area. So we, um, And because it was a shoulder injury, he was able to do all the, the running and all the leg stuff. I think with Brody Grundy, the difference is when you have that amount of time off and it's a knee injury, and, and he looked really, you know, he was sort of loping through the first stages of it. Um, but, yeah, but given it's a shoulder, he's moving on top of the ground really well. And no dramas with Taylor Adams? No, he's good. Uh, he's trained now for a week and a half solid, so um, fingers crossed. It's something he's had, I think, most of his career that he's had to manage. So, um, yeah, so he's, uh, he's all over that. I mean, you're an extremely experienced finals player and, and coach. How, how do you think the game will be played compared to a home and away game? We saw Thursday night, very, I mean, the numbers say there's more contests and uh, lower scores and a few other things. That certainly wasn't the case on Thursday night. Last night was a bit more that way, but then those, are the t- those two teams more likely to play that way. Do you, do you think there's any difference in the way the game's played today as compared to if it was a round 12 game? Well, I guess when the prize is a bit higher, the, the pressure goes up a little bit more. The urgency does go up, but it's just natural. So um, I think we've seen that in, in every game so far. The, the, the contest and pressure component of it's been really high. And then it's just what are the two teams doing? You, you know, we saw Thursday night, two attacking teams. I think they both scored over 100, didn't they? So that's you don't see that often in finals, um, whereas this game might be a little bit different. It might be more around the, the 80 mark. So um, we'll see. Good luck. Thanks for joining us. No worries, guys. Have a good call. Justin Lepich has been a part of what has been a terrific team. It's been... Uh, Fantastic, hasn't it? Just, a, just put together such a good yeah. combination. You'd be able to tell us better than anyone, Sando. I mean, we in the media, I know there was a concerted effort. I was part of it five or six years ago to try and put more attention on the assistants and make it a bit more like the NFL. And yeah, yeah. It just didn't work. We're just... I mean, there is obviously some assistants are higher profile than others, particularly those that are ex-coaches or yep. champion players, but so much goes on the senior coach, but it seems that Craig McRae has, has put to put together just a terrific team with, with the experience of, of Leper and Brennan Bolton, particularly alongside him and, and people like Scotty Selwood. Yeah, well, McRae's been open in saying that it's it's been a team effort, as much as we want to say how great Craig McRae's been, but um, yeah, you've got to you've got to acknowledge the the difference that that Lepich and Bolton, and I know Hayden Skipworth was there the year before, but that that team is just getting the best out of this squad. They're just doing so well, and even I mean, you look last night at the Swans, and 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 quickly we we acknowledge the impact that uh, Longmire has. But you think about the guy one out one back is Don Pike, who yeah. obviously had great success with the Crows and almost pinched a grand final, and. I think a lot of the Swans' ball movement and how exciting they're playing, you can probably relate to the to the mindset and 
the offensive strategy of a guy like Don Pike. So, yeah, I think I think probably you're right, Hutto. At, at, at times we go after the senior coach when things aren't going well. We we have to acknowledge that it is a team effort. And exactly Kane's question, you know, you've got McRae down at ground level. Yeah. It's really hard to see anything, <laughs> to, to be How honest. How much you, time did you spend down at ground level? No, nah, zero, none. Because I, I, you just, like, exactly what Kane said, you can't actually see anything strategically. It's more of a management type yeah. A situation where you can you can speak to players directly, you can look them in the eye. Um, but what it, what it means is Craig McRae would have incredible trust of what uh, Bolton and Skipworth and and um, and Leper are doing upstairs. They're obviously seeing the game and and sort of relating key information to McRae on the bench. I guess particularly pertinent when it comes to what Essendon are doing now and, and what North Melbourne have done in yep. with Clarko, isn't it? I feel like the role of the senior coach is both overrated and underrated. Like yep. it, it, you think, oh, he's just one of a team, but they just set so much up for how the club, apart from someone like the reputation that Clarko brings and therefore the players go to play for him. But, mm. I mean, I go back a long way. To, I remember seeing Dennis Pagan's first training session at North Melbourne. You know, I used to do the rounds on the TV. And go, and those days we actually go and watch training. Yep. And it was like, wow, this was the best training. Instantly, the best training I'd ever seen. Yeah. Now, I, I use that as an example. It's, I said it's a long time ago. But there's so many elements, and, and you would have realised at the moment you became senior coach, that a coach, senior coach has to do that, that relies on him and only him yep. when, when you go into a, into well, this a will, club. This will sound crazy, Hutto, but when you become a senior coach, you do a lot less coaching than what you do as an assistant coach. Um, it's a lot more man management when you get to the senior coach level is you're spending a lot of your week... Um, face-to-face with staff, players, um, you know, sometimes coaches, but that actual nitty-gritty of getting your hands dirty and getting out and doing development work with players and, and helping them with their craft is put to the trust of your development coaches and your assistant coaches. So it's harder because you, you actually have to step back and manage a group rather than actually coach a group. So that's, and that's why I think the best senior coaches in the game today have incredible trust and rely so much on a really good group of, of coaches behind them. What did you see in, in the time and how that changed mm. while you played, Kate? Well, I was lucky because we had Phil Walsh, who was a, a dominant uh, assistant coach. I mean, he could have been a senior coach for 20 years before he actually got the opportunity. So I walked into that environment. So that was sort of all I knew where Mark Williams was the bit of the, the rah-rah, the motivator, amazing player support, but also really good at the skill development stuff where Walsh had that analytical hat on. Yeah. And he wore that and he made a lot of those moves on game day and Certainly in the in the preparation two games, he'd be flying across the country forward scouting, and he had a a lot to do with that. I, I think though, when you when you see how Chris Scott has managed his team this year and his staff, then you realise what the great coaches are. And John Longmire and, and Chris Scott are, are the two for me that have just stood out with the way that they've been able to manage the group. And Chris Scott came in to classified on Monday night and spent some time with us on camera and also off camera. And what he did say on on air, and I spoke about this with Jerry during the week, is they just basically started from scratch. So how's your ego for that? Yeah. He said, just just treat me like I'm a first-year coach. We're going to look at our players' strengths. We're then going to devise a game plan which is suited to our players' strengths, not their weaknesses. He said, it's very easy to be negative. Um, let's look at their strengths, and then we'll go about um, devising the game plan around that. Clearly, the weakness was they didn't have enough runners in their, in their yep. side sound, and their best players were explosive beasts, but... Didn't weren't able to I guess get on the outside, so they've added that in with their with their small forwards and close and homes and players like that that can genuinely run and Atkins, which has really helped. So uh, the insight into when this started was in October. 
yeah. for a coach that had already been there for 11 years. And that's what Richmond did as well. Part, I mean, there's a lot that changed with Richmond, but they sat down with Blair Hartley and said, okay, why did you recruit him? Mm. Why did you recruit him? And I think Sean Griggs been important in that development at, at Geelong as well. So there is a little bit of a, a link between between the two. Yeah, and then the selection of the side today as well. I mean, that's oh. where the coach earns his bucks as well. Yeah. So like, you got to sit down, you got to work through all the scenarios, the what ifs of what will happen if Gary Rowan doesn't touch it at halftime. But we're going to back him in again, and then the players that he left out. So I think that's where the coach also earns their money with the reputation of, all right, this is going to make or break us. Perhaps it's selection as well, and his head's on the line with that. I think it's the first time that I can remember that because of the way Geelong have managed their players this year, you've got 25 or 26 regular players. Not just saying there's 25 or 26 good players. They have all played, pretty much all played when they've been available. They've yep. just sort of worked them through their rest mm. of players. You know, Gary Rowan's probably played the least, but um, they couldn't fit Menegola and they couldn't fit, pa- fit Parthi. And he did say that the, the side that's picked today probably won't be the team if yeah. we're lucky enough to get through to the grand final. And that's where that squad mentality helps. All right, we need to take a short break and set today's game up. We'll touch base with Nigel Lappin shortly as well. It is a, a beautiful day for now. It's cool and only a top temperature in the low teens. But the sun is shining at the MCG for the first qualifying final between Geelong and Collingwood in the AFLW. The Cats have just beaten Fremantle 3-9-27 to the Dockers. One behind one point. It's wet over in Perth. Not raining at the moment, but they've got plenty. I think it should be okay tonight, but uh, the surface certainly won't be for that game between Fremantle and the Dogs. And we'll touch on that as well in our pre-game show here for uh, Thirsty Camel Bottle Shops and Beaumont Tiles. You're listening to the 2022 Premiership season on AFL Nation for Beaumont Tiles. Hybrid flooring in-store now. 2022 Premiership season on AFL Nation for Beaumont Tiles. Hybrid flooring in-store now. Collingwood players enjoying the sunshine at the MCG, just having a lazy kick around in the middle as we welcome you back. Our pre-game show is for Thirsty Camel Bottle Shops and for Beaumont Tiles. And, uh, well, there's so, so much to look forward to this afternoon. Uh, we're going to speak to Nigel Lappin shortly. Without going into too much detail of, of the first two games, which we'll do, and, and you guys already done so well on, on crunch time, Sando, what, what have we learnt about finals and about this year in particular, did you think, over the, over the first two nights? What really sticks out? Well, there have been incredible games, but for me it was the Swans' pressure, and we probably have now we've, – we've, we've got a template of how to beat Melbourne. So, um, and we've potentially had that since about round 11 or 12 this year when they were – they started the season 10-0, and then all of a sudden they started to have a couple of losses and a little bit of doubt crept in. But now what we've seen is we've seen a way that you can get on top of Melbourne. Now, whether your team can sustain that same pressure that Sydney applied for four quarters, they were amazing. As that game went on, their pressure went up and up and up. You know, have to have 14 tackles in their forward 50 in the last quarter. I mean, if you for, for the listeners, if you have 14 tackles in your forward 50 on a, in, a, in a whole game, that's really, really good. The Swans had 14 in the last quarter. Like, when the game was there to be won, we saw Sydney's pressure go up another cog. So if you, if you want to beat Sydney, you've got to match that intensity or you've got to have an offensive scheme or a system that relies on under pressure and you have to quick kick it or handball it quickly that you've got the right structure or set up ahead of the ball to be able to maintain that sort of intensity for four quarters. Yeah, absolutely all of that. No, and that's the most important thing is what they 
delivered, but just how even they were as well. Yeah. And that's where Geelong have been so even this year. Like, it, it isn't the star players that are getting it done. And, and last night, didn't see much of Heaney. Franklin, I think, is the worst game he's ever played yeah. at AFL level. Buddy Franklin didn't get anything out of uh, their key forwards last night. But then you have the but evenness. Even Warner of, wasn't like Warner as good was as back. But then you have you just, just the, those good, solid citizens, Lloyd and Park as a star and Mills as a star. Built, what about Papley? Papley was incredible. Yeah. His, that, his that, intensity in that forward line. And the goalie kick down there just yep. kept the minute. Like, oh, as he kicked it, I thought, oh, that's a silly shot. He's not going to be able to curl it back enough. But just was able to sneak in. And then from then, they barely yeah. conceded a goal. Well, I said this morning, Hutto, and can you you'd have to agree. If, it, if I'm a coach now, I want a Papley in my forward line. Yeah. Because it's not just leadership. It's something different. It's... His, um, his energy. Yeah, but he and brings it to the middle as well, doesn't he? Like, you've yeah. got to have a player that he still does most of his damage forward, but, you know, we saw it with Dusty, but those his, are the players doing that same sort of thing. He's kicked more, he's kicked multiple goals 17 times this season. Yeah. So he's. But S- Sydney, if you look at Sydney, they are, it's not just that they, the players average either one goal save with yeah. Haywood or two goals with Papley. It's. Every game, yeah, they, right. they don't go, oh, four one week and then none yeah. for three. Yeah. It's two, two, one, one, one. It's yeah. just so consistent. There's a bit of Geelong about their forward line as well, which looks a bit different than it has in the past. If Cameron and Hawkins don't get you, it'll be Stengel, Gary Rowan's capable of kicking multiple goals. So I, I do like that and the energy that they bring. But, yeah, geez, they, and just the ability to hang in and, and adjust mid-game early on. The adjustment they, mid-game, yeah. I think, was yeah. massive. Ten, ten to one intercept marks at one point. You guys were talking about coaching and tactics and all that kind of stuff before, but once upon a time, you did have senior players, I think, that were able to adjust in-game without the yeah. message having to go out. I think the Sydney Swans do have a few of those guys. It seemed as if, to me, there was just this universal switch flicked, as if everybody knew, yeah. okay, we're, we're changing this up. I Even don't... the young ones, Dwayne. Yeah, like, exactly. Gordon had one down here. Easily, it's so safe just to kick it down the line. But he took was it. there a deliberate kick along the ground at yeah, one stage from were... half-back as well? Yeah, there was definitely one from here down. To, I can't remember who it was down in yeah. front. And he kicked it out into the pocket instead of kicking yeah. it down. So, and so that's, a, that's a very clever group of players that mm. knows, okay, here but we change. The thing that interests me is that everyone knows that's Melbourne's strength, so surely they went into the game not planning to kick it long down the line, and then they couldn't go, well, we're going to s- deliberately start that yeah. way to give Melbourne a false sense of security, and then we're going to change it up. I mean, you wouldn't do that. Yeah, you get enticed a- by If you see Buddy in a one-on-one, you get enticed by that, I think, sometimes, to the detriment of the game plan, maybe, but the game plan would also be and Sandy, you'd know better than us, but there is that opportunity. There's the game plan. But if you see a one-on-one and you can kick it to Buddy's advantage in the one-on-one with May, then you can do it as your choice of thing to do, can't you? 100%, yeah. And I think you're right, Dwayne. I think Sydney players for so long have been drawn to see Buddy in a 1v1 and kick it there. Yeah. But May, I, I couldn't May's take my eyes off that match. Yeah. Be doing that. The best yeah. defensive, one of the best finals defensive keep. Performances it was seen. unbelievable. Every May's time the ball went to May v. Franklin, May marked, marked it. it. He, he marked, marked it. it. Yeah. Now, if they if they play each other again and they could, yeah. um, you know what Buddy has to do next time against May? Move. He's actually yeah. got to get up the ground and get out of the way, <laughs> as crazy as that yeah. sounds. Yeah. He's kicked a thousand goals. I've... Or or uh, he's got to ta- he actually has to tag May. He actually mm. has to just body up and bring the ball to ground every every chance he's got. So he's got to change. And the coach has to say, don't kick it to Buddy. That's and who right. says that? Yeah. You've got to go around May. You've actually, and, that's, and that's, I think, part of that template too. You've got to go around where May sets up, which is, um, which is incredible. But the other thing we did see, Hutto, was we saw, I don't think Brisbane, even though that was an amazing game, you can't get it in shootout footy in finals. Mm. That might win you a game, and it did. 
but that's not sustainable for four wins in a row. We'll come back to that and what it all means for Melbourne as well and and the words of Simon Goodwin last night. We need to just uh, take a short break now because Nigel Lappin's almost ready for us, so we'll get more insights into what the Cats are going to bring this afternoon. Our pre-game show for Thirsty Camel Bottle Shops continues. Answer the Camel's call, Thirsty Camel Bottle Shops. And for Beaumont Tiles, $25,000 advertising giveaway. Simply head to iconwin.com.au. Both teams will be out for their warm-ups for Ream. Ask your plumber to install a Ream. Steady, hot and strong. You're listening to the 2022 Premiership season on AFL Nation. For Beaumont Tiles. All terms visit mcdonalds.com.au. You're listening to the 2022 Premiership season on AFL Nation for Beaumont Tiles. Hybrid flooring in store now. Just over an hour away from the opening bounce of this first qualifying final between Geelong and Collingwood at the MCG. Our pre-game show for Thirsty Camel Bottle Shops continues. Answer the camel's call. Thirsty Camel Bottle Shops and Beaumont Tiles. 25 grand worth of advertising giveaway. Iconwin.com.au. Dwayne Russell, Kane Corns, Brenton Sanderson, Anthony Hudson uh, joining us uh, with Matthew Cox downstairs to uh, chat to Nigel Lappin. Thanks, Hutto. Nigel's alongside me. Big game today, obviously. You don't need to reiterate that. What's the preparations been like for the last two weeks after that big win against West Coast? Yeah, we've had a good prep. So um, post the West Coast game, we had a couple of days off. Came back in, did a light sort of craft session on the first day back and then had a really solid hit out on the Friday. Um, not sort of quite match loads, but real, a, lot, a lot of intensity in the session. And then it's just been a normal build-in this week. Nigel, how long did selection last for? <laughs> yeah, it was, it was really difficult, mate. Like, obviously one of the um, really difficult times in a, in a coach's life and, you know, you've got a lot of players that um, build up amazing relationships with and to have to leave a few out that have, have played a huge part, um, not just this year but over a long period of time. And, um, you know, we've got a big squad and hopefully um, throughout the final series those guys will get a chance to, um, to play. Was it mainly the debate over sort of the, the, the 22nd player, Nige? Like, is that what it sort of gets down to? You spend a lot of time on just that last player? Yeah, so your 23rd, 24th spot, a couple of players. So obviously uh, with Parfit and Menegola, those two, those two were really difficult decisions because those guys have been um, a really big part of, of our team over the last um, you know five or six years and done amazing jobs for us. So... We've uh, had a different sort of dynamic that we've been going with with the mids this year. Obviously, Tom Atkins has come in and done an unbelievably good job. Mark Litzarv has playing, been playing more as a, as a genuine inside mid as well. And, and the other lines are just going really well and, and they're really stable. So, um, it, believe it or not, it probably didn't take as, as much time as, as you would have thought this week at match committee. And Sam Menegola is the sub. I've just seen that posted up on the board. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, difficult, difficult decisions for us with, with that. Obviously, as I said, given the... Um, the amount that he's given to the club for a long time. Yeah, so in, in choosing, say, between Menegola and Parfit and even O'Connor, who can be a, a halfback, he can be a, a, an on-baller, if you get it, you're doing, obviously, the what-ifs, if we lose this player, lose that type of player. So are they the sort of things that you went through to, to choose Sam, and why did you come up with, with Abs- him? Yeah, absolutely, Hutto. Um, so for us, just gives us flexibility. So obviously, Zach Tui plays a fair bit on the wing. If Sam comes in, then, um, then Zach's able to go back. So they're the types of things that we think about. Um, we were pretty confident in the in the 22, the 23 that we've picked. So we've been in really good form for a long time. That um, the group's playing well, we've gelled together, and the dynamic um, at the moment. 
So it's an exciting game. We're up against a team who are just fierce and ferocious um, in every line and, and they're in really good form too and they're going to be in the game for a long time. That's the way they play and we want nothing less because it's a really good opportunity for us, as we always say every week, to, to work on our game and try and improve it. Nice. good luck today. You, you were a great finals player and you've been down at Geelong for 11 years with Chris Scott. How do you remove anxiety in September? What's... What's the key secret or the element that you have to, uh, I guess, get across to the players about about executing when it really matters? Well, obviously, clearly the stakes are a little bit higher, but the, the key is, is trying to just put yourself in the moment. And you hear that a lot in sports psychology. What does that look like? Well, for me, Sando, that, ha- that happens a long time um, before September. And as a player, if I think back to, to my preparation and you guys would have been the same. It's sort of that happens in the preseason. You build your habits and you try and have it stack all year so that when it gets to the highest pressure in the biggest games that that you're, you're falling back on behaviours that stand up in big games. So that's we talk to our players about that all year and then if you've done that and you've put the prep work in, then hopefully that, that means that you carry less anxiety. The other thing that used to help me as a player as well is know that you know like 70% of the opposition team are probably going to be more, more nervous than me. So if I can go out there and just stay in the moment and... And um, and then just rec- if if you're able to stay in the moment, like the special things happen um, yep. f- from being able to do that. They don't happen with you going out there looking for those things. So a few things that we talk to our players about, as I said, it, it starts right at the start of the preseason. And do you feel like this is your best chance? And I mean, like I said, the last sort of 10, 11 years. But do you've managed the side really well this year? It feels like there's a there's a freshness amongst the group. And obviously we've talked about selection, but yep. is this about as good as what you could prepare for this for this season? Yeah, I think so. But you've still got to be able to perform um, in finals. Like there's other teams that would have said, said the same things. And just watching last night's game, like you look at last night's game and you just see, um, you know, the quality of, of contest. So we need to be prepared for contests ahead of the ball early in the game because under the, the most amount of pressure early in finals, um, that's what happens. Get the ball forward, see if we can win contests. And we prepared really well for that. Um, we've set up our game style around that. Um, our mids been able to compete for a long period of time. We've got a, a big group of mids that roll through there and try and stay fresh, um, which means that we can keep pressure on the ball and hopefully mix it with Collingwood's pressure because their pressure is as good as anyone's. And then our defenders... Um, yeah, they play really well as a collective and, and as a whole 22, to be honest, Sando, we're playing really well, so we're looking forward to the challenge. What makes them good? Um, the, the team? Um, yeah. Yeah, well, I think this year, just the, the on balance, the, the players that we've got um, along each line, just the slight changes in the game style that we've made have really embraced the players, or sorry, the players have really embraced and and we've been constantly evolving all year to the point where they're really confident in their game style. So um, it's just, the, for me, it's the way that... The, the collective, the 22, have gelled and are playing together. Chris Scott said publicly during the week that it started back in October where you really stripped it back and looked at the Really good teams. You think about Richmond over the last sort of five years and their ability to be able to take the ball forward under pressure and the, in those sort of fierce finals games. No team's done it better than them. So we changed a little bit with that. And as I said, it's been constantly evolving all year to the point where the players go out today really confident um, in their game style, but they've got to take away another team's strengths as well, which and there's strengths on every line for the Pies too. How relevant is that game from earlier in the year? It's such a long time ago. Uh, well, you always look back at it. Um, both teams have changed a hell of a lot, um, and there's some things, so particularly in the last quarter, that we were able to do when we needed to change on the day, but you need to show up from the first bounce and stay in the, in the contest. And if we do that, and Collingwood have showed that as well, it's going to be a fierce contest and hopefully it's a game for the fans that, that comes down to the wire. We don't necessarily want that as coaches, but if it does happen, it's, it's amazing preparation for hopefully what's to come. So 
given Collingwood's specialty in winning close ones, have you spent extra attention on that? No, we, we've we focused on, um, on definitely on what they do in those moments because they change some things, but also... Um, you know, 10% goes into that and 90% is about us and what we need to do and the changes that we need to make if we find ourselves in that situation. And that excites the players more than, than what do we do um, to stop the opposition's strengths. We, obviously, we'll be aware of those things, but the players get much more excited when you tell them this is the way that we're going to play when we find ourselves in that moment. Was there ever a doubt over Jeremy playing? No, no, he's been really confident the whole way through. Maybe the first few days he, he, he was a little bit sore than what he hoped to be, but post that he's, he's recovered really well. He was out chopping wood about four days after. I <laughs> uh, wasn't, wasn't advised by the medical staff, but he thinks it helps him emotionally, and maybe it did. So. And, uh, Can you get him a splitter? <laughs> well, if he, he, all he needed to do was ask me. I would have went out and, and, um, and done it for him, but he likes to do those things on his own. That's one of the things that... Clearly, with him and Hawk on the farm, it keeps them happy and keeps them grounded. Will he be at any of the centre bounces? We saw that for a few games in the middle of the year. Then it's disappeared. Have you put that one in the back pocket for finals? No, we haven't necessarily put it in the in the back pocket at all. Like it's, he really gets the choice to to choose. Oh, sorry, he gets the choice to, to play where he feels like he can influence the most. Um, it might be hard for him to kick uh, Joel Selwood out of the centre bounce. So I've told him today if he wants to go in there, make sure it's it's not Joel that he kicks out. Uh, wise advice. So. Well, good luck. It's uh, it's always been a great campaign so far, but the real stuff starts this afternoon and it's going to be so exciting. Uh, Thanks for joining us. Pleasure. Thanks, guys. Nigel Lappin joining us down uh, as part of uh, the Geelong hierarchy. Might steal his term habit stack. Yeah, it's good, isn't it? I was thinking that. Yeah, wrote that one down, Hutto. Yeah, Yeah. but it's meant to be good habit stacking, not bad (laughs) habit stacking. Yeah, like your golf swing. You've got to get the lesson first to make sure you've got the right habit. Otherwise, you're stacking the wrong habit that'll let you down in the finals. It's at the coaches' stuff and um, the the windscreen wipers that uh, Craig McRae was yeah. talking about a couple of weeks. That was a beauty too, yeah. wasn't it? Oh, awesome! But didn't he, didn't he sound confident then, Nigel Lappin? Like they feel like they're just properly prepared. They, he was so calm. I, mean, I said this morning, I, I I just feel that September is different in the sense that, and Kane, you obviously you played in in finals, big finals and grand finals. It it's different September and. There, is, there, there has to be some anxiety around that Geelong team. Where does it manifest then? Where is it likely to manifest? Like the first five minutes or...? How, oh, I, or think it, I think it actually happens 90 minutes before the game starts yeah. when the, if players are jittery and if staff and particularly the senior coach, because you, you, you look to your leaders mm. for how their body language is. And I know, I just think Chris Scott had to enter the room today with this air of almost arrogance that no one is going to touch us in September. Not, not just today, but we're... This is where we belong for this month. This is our ground. How, do you, how careful do you have to be with that attitude, though? Because if suddenly There's the oppo spirit. comes out and kicks, puts five, you know, punches you in the face, so to speak. Well, there is, a, there is a tipping point with that. It can spill over. So you've got to make sure that there is that air of arrogance and, and confidence, but without, without it sort of seeming like um, we just can't do anything wrong. But you're right, Hutto. There'll be a moment today, and we'll see, we've seen it in the first two finals. There'll be a moment today when either team will get challenged and there'll be a, a, a massive momentum swing in the game. You just can't get scored against when the other side's got momentum. It has to almost be a nil-all draw when, when a side sort of wrestles back momentum. They have had some practice this year, like just the home and away season, but Dwayne, I don't know if you two did the game against uh, Port Adelaide at home. Port Adelaide, that third quarter from memory, kicked yes. eight goals and they, were, they didn't, that, that, that was just a tsunami out of the centre bounds. Dixon and Finlayson went in there and Chris Scott, he did remain so calm. That was the sort of the difference that I've seen. He 
he almost didn't watch the game. He got his laptop out. He was talking to yep. his assistant coaches, and then he went out on the ground at three-quarter time and addressed the players with vision. So they have had experience, and that's what you get that Craig McRae doesn't have. He hasn't been in this position as the main man before. Chris Scott's going to be elevated up in the coach's box. He's going to see it all. He's got that great team that he trusts around him. Um, and this is where you know the best coaches come to play today, and you've got full faith that he will, he will bring that calmness today. It might be a ridiculous line to draw, but I run into a few of them around town from time to time, and sometimes when I see them, you, you instantly make eye contact, and you know I'm not in the mood to chat today or I'm going about my business. It's sort of, you know to leave them alone. They're not even up for a chat, and I get that because different periods of time, they're not up for a chat. Maybe it's me, maybe I'm the northern. But I've run into a few in recent times, and they've been relaxed. Yeah, It's been remarkable how long they've been up for, you know, hi, how you going, or winding the wind down, yep. window down, hey, Dwayne, you know, like that kind of stuff. And I don't normally think, you know, where's Geelong at when it comes hey, to pipe, midday madness. <laughs> well, it's funny because it, to, to be up for a chat at this time of year is something that I presume that most of them wouldn't be anywhere near up for a chat, but they have been up for a bit of a relaxed chat, which is a good indicator, I reckon, that they do feel comfortable in their own skin. There's a time for storylines and all of that, but the danger field, you know, the six prelims, the one losing grand final and, and all of that, there's the Selwood, you know, the, the legacy of him to yeah. captain one yeah. in his own. There's so many storylines across the board in this Geelong team. Today's not the day for that, but uh, the next month will be. Well, Joel joins Michael Tuck next week or the week after, depending on when he plays the next game, as the most finals played. Wow, that's incredible. Wow. Yeah, so it hasn't been talked about at all, but yeah. as long as he doesn't get injured, that'll happen. I, Will he play next year? I don't know. I think there's a good chance he won't. Yeah, I think there's a good chance he won't. Yeah, I mean... Really? That's, not, that's just an opinion. That's not based on anything anybody's told me. Yeah, I've heard contrary view. I have two, two people with two completely different views of it, but if, surely if they win, that would be just go out with the flat. Oh, the Knowing him, though, he'll want to mm, yeah. play again. But yeah. I'll win another well, one. Well, he might do a Croft. And give it some thought, and in three weeks' time. Mm. Croft took two or three weeks to decide, that's it, didn't he, after he lifted the cup and won his first flag. He might give it some thought over the next three or four weeks. Yeah, I mean, I wonder even where the list planning is around that too, because he'd, he'd, to, he'd still be on a, a decent salary. He wouldn't be on the money that he once yeah, was. Yeah, and it might depend on who they can get in the trade period. You know, yeah. They're clearly going to be heavily invested in Hopper, and well, we've just seen breaking news about Taranto agreeing to go to Richmond on a seven-year deal, so they won't get him, but yeah, Hopper... the seven-year deals these days? You had a five-year deal. What's well, a seven-year deal doing? For deal? Taranto, are we for real? Four would have been too many. <laughs> We'll <laughs> take a break. Aren't you it's great for a soundbite? Our, our online department have put that up already. <laughs> Tim Taranto has signed seven years for seven fifty. Oh, that is, that, that, that's Patrick Cripps money for seven years. Crazy. All right, we'll take a break. We'll come back. Kane's just warming up on <laughs> AFL Nation. It is qualifying final day at the MCG. The sun is shining and the lights are on. This is Melbourne on AFL Nation. You're listening to the 2022 Premierships. You're listening to the 2022 Premiership season on AFL Nation for Beaumont Tiles. Hybrid flooring in store now. Welcome back to the MCG and our pre-match coverage for this first qualifying final between Geelong and Collingwood. The sun is shining 
and both teams are out there doing their pre-match warm-up for Ream. Pre-game for Thirsty Camel Bottle Shops. Answer the Camel's call, Thirsty Camel Bottle Shops. And, of course, Beaumont Tiles and their $25,000 advertising giveaway. Icanwin.com. .au, Dwayne Russell's out just warming up the tonsils, having a rest. He's been replaced by Andrew Murray. Oh, Anthony Hudson. Boy, lovely to be here. What a day. What a day. It's magnificent out there, isn't it? There's not a cloud in the sky now. There's a fairly stiff southerly blowing. I rode the bikey, yep. Sando, yep. and it's pushing into the southerly the whole way. Would you so park that? Out there, be lucky to be there. It's yeah. out by one of the gum trees out in the car park. It'll be, You'll be playing. first home, though. It's so hard to get out of here. Oh, mate, it? yeah. it's magnificent. Only 10-minute bike ride yeah, from home. That's great. Is it like a hot-up number? Is it a, no, it's, a, it's, a it's a giant, a giant hybrid. Yeah. Yeah, no, very nice. What sort of lock? It's, it's got a good one, but they're very good at getting through the very best of locks, as I found out on a couple of occasions around here. Is the code something related to great Carlton players or something from the past? <laughs> 1995. <laughs> Just in case you see the bike out there. Uh, That's subject to change, Hutto. Of course. Yeah. Lots, uh, lots, to, <laughs> lots to discuss. So what, what does it mean for Melbourne, do you think, the loss last night? Well, I think we've got a template to beat Melbourne. And obviously undefeated to round 10. And since round 10, uh, six wins, seven losses. So It's amazing, isn't it? Yeah. For a side that we thought was almost unbeatable uh, to start this year off. But it just feels like at the moment, the only thing, I mean, they've got such a great back line. Lever, Petty, May, we saw how dominant May was last night. Salem and Hibbert, then they played well, they played defence so well as a team. Number one ranked defence in the whole competition, so that's not the problem. Their midfield is amazing. Oliver, Petraka, Brayshaw, um, Harms, Viney, like it's, it's stacked in there. But just for me, it feels like at the moment, they just can't quite get that last kick inside 50 right. So if you flood numbers back, if you if you put density across that sort of high half forward line and make them dump it in earlier before they're ready to sort of enter inside forward 50, it feels like that frustrates them. They just doesn't feel like they've got quite the avenue to goal. Like they kicked 10 goals last night. So, um, and we know that Sydney's defence is obviously very good, but um, it just feels like at the moment they haven't quite got that last kick inside 50 right. right more on the demons and what it means in a moment. But we, let's get an odds update now with thanks to Sportsbet. And we can say good afternoon to Georgie Parker. Good afternoon, Georgie. Yeah. <laughs> Hello, guys. I'm here at the MCG. It's an absolutely cracky field here, I guess, today. Everyone's actually piling in. But Geelong obviously coming into this one as favourites. $1.32. Collingwood, $3.35. And where I think you're going to get, be getting the value in here is the line. The line's currently at 20 and a half points. It's pushed out from 18 and a half where it was sitting earlier in the week. But Collingwood, they've made it really tough for all these sides, haven't they? I mean, earlier in the season, Collingwood were very much in front in this game. Seven goal last quarter, so Geelong put them in front here at the MCG. So I think it could be tighter than that. So Collingwood at the line for me, sitting at 20 and a half points at the moment. And Mason Cox uh, down his glasses during the week. To, what's uh, on offer with Mason? Mate, value for Mason Cox, $8.50 for him to kick two or more goals. And is there anyone that likes the big stage more than the big American, American cops there? $8.50 for two or more goals. His last four finals appearances, he's had two goals or more. So don't forget, you've got to go back to 2019. Remember that final that he played against Richmond? He loves the big stage. So I love that for some juicy odds there. First goal scorer, if we're looking at someone from Geelong, Jeremy Cameron, Tom Hawkins, both playing $8.25. If we're looking at the other end, Jack Ginevan, $13. And Jordan Degoe expecting a big game for him, $19 for the first goal scorer there. All right. Thank you, Georgie. Enjoy the day at the MCG. No Georgie worries. Parker there. With thanks to Sportsbet. Uh, don't forget, 
if you're going to have a wager to do so within your means. Gamble responsibly. 1-800-858-858. After the break, we might ask for barbecues galore. Who's been on fire during the final so far? Who could be on fire today other than Kane when it comes to long-term <laughs> You're listening to the 2022 Premiership season. You're listening to the 2022 Premiership season on AFL Nation for Beaumont Tiles. Hybrid flooring in store now. The more and more I see of the Pies, the more and more I think that they are in contention to win it this, this year. They, I mean, there's not, a, there's not a weakness within their game. So yeah, I, that's I, big. Yeah, I think, they, I think they can win it. Five seconds left. Cameron palms it down. Walsh almost clear. Noble with ball in hand. And Collingwood with an absolute thriller. Cameron couldn't force it forward with my check for the second week in a row. It's Collingwood in a cliffhanger at the G. Maybe got a push. No, said the umpire. Collingwood have made it seven on the trot. And top four aspirations stay well and truly alive. Siren imminent. And Collingwood win! Collingwood win a thriller in the rain. They've got eight straight, five points to margin. What a game of football. Siren sounds past 50, just inside the boundary line. What a kick! Collingwood have done it again! Unbelievable! You would never believe it in a million years. It's a six-point margin at the end, and they do challenge the imagination. That is ten in a row for the Pies. They retain their place in the top four. Johnson is a fine set shot, wow. and this is every bit of it. There has never been a team with greater belief in tight finishes than this Magpie outfit. And again, they claw their way to the front. Elliot's the bird there. The ball is his. The moment arrives. Elliot kicks the goal. Collingwood have closed like the Grim Reaper. McCreary lost the footy. Carlton lost the game. The worst of fates for Carlton. The greatest of deeds for Collingwood. No team has been better in the game's history at the close finish. And we played that just for Andy Ma. <laughs> we count down no, no. to the opening bounce here. Just over 30 minutes remaining to the Cats and the Magpies. And their story has been quite astonishing. So how do we actually, before we return to Melbourne, how do we actually assess Collingwood coming into a final? I mean, they're ridiculously low percentage for a team that have finished in the top four. Well, they've been uh, so um, admirable, haven't they? The, the ability to hang in there, but also, I mean, they've got genuine weapons. Like, they're, they're half-back line. You look through the personnel that will line up across half-back today. Weapons everywhere. The two tools we've spoken about, how uh, and more that the aerial threat, but then the ground-level players, their ability to win ground balls in their D50 and their wingers getting back to help as well is as good as any. Uh, they outnumber there really quickly, so they can absorb large number of inside 50s against them, and they defend... So well, loved Braden Maynard's year. I mean, awesome. we sp- spoke about Papley up the other end for Sydney. He's the reverse option, yeah, I reckon, inside is. defensive 50. Everyone wants a, everyone wants a Maynard. Yeah. Everyone wants a Papley in the forward 50. Everyone wants a you, Maynard in the do D50. Do you put him to Cameron or not? 
I can't, I can't see that matchup, Hutto, unless Cameron's up the field. I just think, and, it, and if that is the matchup, Cameron he's done revolt before, hasn't he? Yeah, he's he done has. revolt pretty well. Yep. Yeah, similar type of players. Yeah. Not, not Jack now, but you know, three or four years ago, and he's done a, from memory a pretty good job on him. So it's a good yeah. backup plan. Cameron will play it differently depending on who he's. Yeah, that's into, right. So, if he gets the right matchup, he'll go back inside fifty as yeah. soon as he feels like he's feels like he's got the aerial advantage. And if he has got a tall, and if he's got like say Darcy Moore. He'll take him up the ground and turn him around and take him back to goal. But um, it's, it's going to be intriguing today to see the strategy and the tactics, I guess, from both teams, how they counter punch. But Kane's right. You cannot turn the ball over against Collingwood mm. because before you can get your defence set up, they're gone. Yeah. Like Dacos across half-back, Quainer. Noble. Um, oh, Noble, yeah. They just, they just take the game on so fast. And they take risks like a, a side I haven't seen for a long time. They'll go through the corridor and they'll take the game on on turnover. Now... As Lepic said in the pregame, their clearance numbers are terrible. <laughs> they get smashed at stoppage, so they lose territory. So they, they won't want a high stoppage game today. They want a fast, upbeat, tempo game. So um, it's going it's to be fascinating to see which way they go. Return of Taylor Adams obviously helps in that regard. Back to a more in-depth preview about uh, the machinations and how we think today will play out shortly. What do Melbourne do with Petrarca? What's, what's a hairline fracture mean in well, from what they've said today, Alan Richardson said it poses no further risk. You'd have to think there's some risk. I mean, there's a risk if you go out in the field for any... There's a risk if you've got a corky. You get another corky in it, and it can be pretty nasty. So if there's another knock on there, which would be unlikely, and there'd be a small percentage that that would happen, but I imagine it'll hurt. It'll be whether he can handle the pain. That that would be fully about pain management. Um, he'll have a quiet week. It really hurts them not having the week off, doesn't it, with that and the ability to manage it. They sound confident early days, but gee, he's going to be sore. Well, he's a player that that needs to get body on body into the bus, hustle, and but he, he can't. I mean, he can do it outside if he if he absolutely has to. If he needs to stay away from uh, as much contact as he possibly can, he can do that and be be a valuable player. But Petrarca's at his best when he's running into yeah. stoppage, into the traffic, and exiting. And if that's where, you, that's where he is going to put himself at most risk. Well, I thought and it was really strange, last... Hutto, that they actually announced today that he's going to play next week. Yeah. Like that's, yeah. it's, it's Saturday. Like, the game's um, not for another six days. It's, it's an unusual call. I think, obviously, you declare it. You say he's got the small fracture and we'll do everything we can to prepare him to play well next week and let's see if he gets up. But to say that he's going to play next week on a Saturday is quite unusual. Are Brisbane any chance of beating them, do you think? I don't, I don't think so. No. I don't think so. I just don't think you can sustain that game style. Um, I think that was their grand final almost last night. Uh, sorry, on Thursday night, Brisbane. They they raved. They were incredible with all those lead changes and the way the game unfolded. Lockie Neal's performance was just off the charts as a midfielder. He almost single-handedly won in that game, Brisbane, the way that he played. Strange came that didn't send anyone to him. It, wow. didn't, yeah. it didn't look like they tried to to send a tag or a cooler or anyone to sort of try and limit um, his influence. I thought, I thought Ross went to him at times at stoppage. Did a picket, but don't, so you got me started on the long-term contracts. Don't get me started <laughs> on that. We, won't, we don't need to go there. Now, how you can have 44 list spots and not one dedicated tagger in, in AFA, it just Taggers aren't cool until you need one. Graham, They're out of fashion. Would have been the Graham one. would have been the one. Yeah. They didn't pick him. He was, yeah. Next one um, So to answer your question, are they any chance? I mean, it'd be a massive turnaround from round 23, wasn't it? Well, they've it? got the offence, though. They, I mean, they're... Their small forwards are elite. Yeah, and, and they are the number two back. ranked offence in the competition coming up against the best defence next week in a... Um, in a you know, once again, losing your out. Uh, so it's... I don't know. I just feel like the energy and the excitement around Brisbane, it would be... 
that was that was it for me. I've been, you know, who, who knows the mental game and and some of these players getting up from Melbourne. There's a lot of sore players out of yeah. out of Melbourne from last night. Big O so. hurt. No big O hurts. Yeah. Yeah. It was, I thought it was interesting that Chris Fagan declared that Darcy Fort would come straight back. And I know they've got to go against Gorn yep. and Jackson, but would you almost think about going in yeah. without a rap, well, like go in? It with worked last McStay. night. Yeah. Well, even Dan Curvis last night, he was fantastic. Forty-one hitouts, twenty-five or twenty-six disposals. He's had a field day in that yeah. centre bounce area. Everything they bounced or threw up, he just grabbed it out of the ruck and kicked it forward. That's so too big a risk to do. Well, they still scored, though, from stoppage. That was the thing, Brisbane. But um, I don't know how, though. Maybe... It changed their forward line. It I mean, did, yeah. They just looked uh, a bit more dynamic. Isn't but... the risk, though, if McStay got injured and then you've got nothing? That's like, right. Then you are absolutely yeah. cast. Yeah, is that's that the, right. Is that the worry? Yeah, I think so. I and mean, you'd want to make Petty and Lever and May yep. accountable as yep. well. So they'll have some good opponents as well. And then, you know, Gorn and Jackson with the midfield that Melbourne have got. Good luck. I mean, Richmond weren't able to capitalise on Dan Curvis's dominance, but you'd think Melbourne would be able what, to do that. What, how, how does the Zorko-Petty, Zorko-Melbourne, Melbourne-Zorko mm, Zorko stuff play out? How does that factor into what happens in the once the ball gets bounced next week? Yeah, it's definitely a factor. I don't think anyone will be going there again. <laughs> I don't think I don't they will think, either. But it's definitely a good talking point. It's a thing, yeah. isn't it? Like, well, I mean, would, you, would you tell Dane Zorko just to walk straight up to him at the centre bounce and start pushing him around? Well, the phone call we got from Dane Zorko was inspired from what I'm told by stuff that Melbourne had said in the press about crossing the line. Yep. You don't cross the line. And Dane Zorko felt compelled to make that call to a Melbourne radio station to have a Melbourne audience hear him say, mm. no, no, I did the wrong thing mm. and I'm repentant, yep. but things were said to me that were inappropriate. I just want, I want you to know that because that was known in Brisbane, but yep. I don't think they thought it was well enough known down here. So, look... And it's so I soon, isn't it? I know. Yeah. Like if it was round 12 next year, we'd yes. go, we'd forget about it. And then suddenly in the week, we'd build up. Yeah. Kane would remember and he'd come up with an editorial <laughs> on a Tuesday and get them all fired up. But it's you know, just so yeah. soon. I get a couple of fresh ones back, though, don't they? Like, they do, yeah. They can, they can throw a couple of important players in who can give them a bit yeah. of freshness. A bit of oomph. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Cam yeah. Rain is that. Yeah. Uh, Answorth's uh, tough at a, it, you know, a, yeah. a good player as yeah. well for them. But How did you see the harms incident then last night? That that decision must be only hours away yeah. from coming through, mustn't it? Um, I was I was with most of you. I think Jared said a week on Crunch Time this morning that the consensus was that you know Hodge and, and Sammy Edmund thought that he might get off. I think you're a similar view, or no? I actually think he'll get off. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought he'd get off. Yeah, yeah. I, I think um, obviously when you slow it down frame by frame, and his head sort of whips back. But I just think the I think the right decision was made. I think. Um, uh, high contact free kick and a 50. And a 50. And I yet, think that's probably... And yet, Santa, if he hits his head on the ground, so the incident, yeah. nothing... And if he's concussed and misses a week, yeah. He misses two, two weeks. Yeah. He misses two weeks. Yeah. yeah, no, there's some inconsistencies there for sure. Yeah. yeah. He got up so quickly. That was though, the thing, you know. Like, oh, yeah. Free kick 50. I yeah. mean, it was great. It was yeah. fantastic from a Swans the point outcome, of view. The, the act Derm is the thought he was right? cooked. That's it. Everyone sort of felt, we know, Derm will do anything to get a player yeah, off. He's yeah. like, oh, no, that's the sort of thing I would have done. He's got to get weeks. <laughs> <laughs> so, and Harms could be an important. He could well, be he, the I mean, one he could. could go to Lockie He'll go to Yeah, he yeah. could, particularly if Petrarca's a bit wounded. Yeah. You're going to need someone a bit explosive and a bit powerful, you know, to fill the breach. And well, exactly what Kane just said too, Andy. You yeah. can't give Lockie Neal that, that ability no. to be able to have that time and space no. two weeks in a row. He'll, he'll, he'll get someone straight yeah. away. The thing that annoys me is when they say such and such is untaggable. Like, like King yesterday said, Neil's untaggable. I was like, no, he's not. No one's untaggable. You just need someone who's prepared to do the job, like a Winhager or, or, Hams is, or Harms has done. Now, he'll still get some footy, 
but he won't be standing at stoppage all alone getting 15 clearances. Guaranteed. Well, that. the Swans do it, Kane. We saw last night at times, and Oliver was fantastic last night. He was he was really brave at, at times. So Callum Mills will yeah. go as like I I sort of call it a cooler, where yeah. almost what you did, Kane, where you can you can go and um, limit someone's influence and still be get damaging the other way. You can yeah. still get off them and and still impact the game. So. Tagger, let's just call it a cooler, you know, someone that you can go to and just limit their influence. And that's what the Swans would have done with Lockie Neal. Mm. They would have put Callum Mills to him. He would have shut him down around contest and clearance. Try and expose him. And try and expose him going back the other way. Exactly how they did it against Geelong when Mills went to Dangerfield yep. and completely shut him out. So. so how do we see the path from here? Sydney now with a home preliminary final. Who would they fear the most in playing? Who would be the best chance? Oh, well, they got Collingwood, didn't they? Not, not that long ago. So if Collingwood to lose this, you'd think they're going to progress through against Fremantle or the Western Bulldogs. But you'd think, would, would I we would, all think that? I would think, I I would think that on this ground. <laughs> yeah, I do. Um, uh, if the Dogs beat Fremantle today... they got the weapons. ...and Collingwood lose, does that, do we then suddenly psychologically... I mean, always, we always fall for that. Yeah, we always <laughs> we do. do. We, we do. always get sucked But the buyers sort of... Uh, corrupted that as well, well hasn't that's it? Jared's numbers yeah. were. What if what if Darcy kicks four or something, and you suddenly go, "This is a different Bulldogs team." Yeah, well, there's a lot of ifs. Can we just get through this one? Here? <laughs> but what you feel like the winner today is a ninety percent chance to be their grand final day. That's yeah. why that, that you, the, the winner here today <laughs> yeah. is, the stakes are high. Today. Has a nice. You don't want to go through the Swans at the SCG. Clean path. Yeah. So we're 22 minutes away from the bouts, uh, and we've got a few categories. And we've got the anthem to get through. So let's let's set the scene, guys, about today's game. And what are the what are the big questions in your mind? I guess that would have been in the minds of, of the respective coaches. Well, Sando and I did the game against Carlton with you, Murray, as well. Um, so uh, apologies for that. Uh, yeah, that and it was <laughs> it was Collingwood's ability to mark the footy across halfback. And when when they when they mark the footy across halfback, and we know the names that will be down there, then they are able to just go. Now, so Nigel Lappin says to us, we've worked a lot on our contest method, I think he termed it, yep. forward of the ball. So what does that mean? He, he wants an effort from his forwards to bring, with everything you've got, that ball to ground, and then he wants the contest and your ability to win ground balls in your forward half of the ground. So that does two things. It gives you the scoring opportunities, but it also denies Collingwood one of their biggest strengths, and that is that rebound quickly. As soon as they mark the footy, they've got the whole ground to go, and we've seen that in the Dacos boys and Penderbury and the decisions Maynard Noble that they'll make off halfback. So I'm looking out for... How strong is the aerial contest from the Geelong forwards? Not how many goals Cameron and Hawkins are going to kick, and we love all that, but how many times are they going to bring the ball to ground and then win the ground ball in their forward 50 after that? I think it's going to be a much more difficult task for Collingwood's defenders today. Yeah, and I, this, this will sound strange. I think Geelong's biggest strength, which is their, is their forward line, Hawkins, Cameron, and you throw in Stengel, the All-Australians, mm. they've combined, Hutto, for 164 goals, those three players. What an incredible, powerful forward line. Uh, after that, though, Kane, the next highest goal scorer is Brad Close with 21, and then you're down to Smith with 12 and Guthrie with 11. Now, I know it's easier said than done, but can you, can you limit the influence of those two talls? So Hawkins and Cameron, can you limit them to potentially two each? Yeah. Which means they've got four. So then where do the rest of the goals come from? I know you say Stengel. Ain't you feel the wild card in that's, there or not? That's where I'm going. Yeah. That's where I'm yeah. going. At least... In this game, if for whatever reason Jeremy Howe and Darcy Moore can get on top of those two power, power forwards, Chris Scott's got the ability to throw Dangerfield um, mm. forward. And we've yeah. seen him kick bags of goals just as a ground. full forward. Yeah, 
Gary Just Rowan, a, of course, is the and Rowan and Rowan's kick. Uh, Rowan's played nine games for nine goals, so we know that he's got the ability to be able to impact that game too. So I think that's the only chance for the Pies today: limit the tools and see if Dangerfield can get you. More of our pre-game show as we get closer to the opening bounce coming up at Thirsty Campbell Bottle Shops and Beaumont Tiles for $25,000 advertising giveaway. Go to iCanWin.com.au. You're listening. Life's busy. Take this deck. There's heaps to do on it, like um, polishing off this wine. That's tough. Life's pretty good with a Trex deck. Composite decking with no hard maintenance. Trex, the world's number one decking brand.